This week on The Reverse Stick, it's a walk in the park as we speak to Alan Gormley from Walking Hockey. Jazz Preet Saini joins us from the Hockey World League Finals and we have more from PHL. Greetings and welcome once again to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. My name's John Lee and I'm joined each week by Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? I'm feeling good, John. It's, uh, we say it all the time, it's been another big week in hockey. Oh, but boy, oh much. boy, just making the list of what we want to bring to you this week is incredible. So we're going to try not to uh, skirt around the issues too much and bring you the hard facts and let you know what's going on in the global world of hockey. And uh, as we mentioned in the intro, Alan Gormley from Walking Hockey is joining us. Lovely fella. It's oh, a great chat. Yeah, it's a great chat and a uh, really fantastic initiative. And in fact, I did catch up with a mate earlier on today who's had trouble with hips and all sorts of bits of things over the past few years and the stop playing the game. And I said, oh, you'll have to listen to this week's show because we've got the interview with um, Alan Gormley from Walking Hockey coming up and explained a bit of the, the process to him. And he said, oh, well, I that, that would be good for me. I'd be really keen to do that. So, you know, that's just one person I've spoken yeah. to about it. Um, so, yeah, hope, hopefully you'll look forward... I'm sorry. Hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy listening to that interview with Alan and uh, perhaps get some inspiration to go and do something with your club wherever you are in the world. Yeah, we'll get to the Hockey World League finals as well and some action from South Africa's PHL. Our special correspondent is joining yes, us. Yes, Hi, Ronald. He's back on again this week and we're really appreci- appreciative of him and the time that he's putting into supporting the game of hockey in South Africa. But we must get things underway with... News! So the big one, of course, is the Hockey World League finals for men coming from BBI in Odisha in India at the moment. As we're recording, we're at the halfway stage. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we speak to Jaspreet Sani on the spot later on in the show. Um, I guess just a couple of things to note is that uh, there's been some pretty close games there. One or two, mostly close. One or two blowouts and and, uh, a few surprises. Um, As we know, the real business starts at the quarterfinal stage. And the interesting one, the one game that has blown out Belgium, Spain. Belgium beat them 5-0. Spain, either side of that 5-0 loss, beat Argentina and the Netherlands. Yes, there you go. (laughs) And let's face it, we've discussed this before and we'll be mentioning it again. These games really mean nothing. They're seeding games if they have any influence in what whatsoever. But teams know that they're not losing anything by losing a game necessarily. That's right. It's you know it's still all to play for. Um, just uh, while we're we're talking hockey world league, I just I did miss out last time around mentioning the individual award winners and prize winners from the women's final um, in Auckland. So we should just give a bit of a, a shout out there. Stacey Mickelson from New Zealand uh, won the best player award. Uh, Lily Owsley from England was the best young player, and Sally Rutherford from New Zealand the best goalkeeper. Uh, top goal scorers, Delfina Marina from Argentina with five goals, joined by Marta Krekela from the Netherlands. Uh, sorry we missed those out last week. Uh, well done to those ladies. Absolutely. Now, what else have we got to talk about, John? We've got a, a few things going on. I guess let's uh, let's have a look at Men's Asia Challenge taking place in Myanmar at the moment. Oh, well, four teams involved there. Uh, sorry, four or six? No, four, four teams, yeah. Four teams. Hong Kong, Brunei. Chinese Taipei and Myanmar. Um, 
poor old Brunei seem to be the whipping boys at the moment. The first three games were 11-0 losses each game. Well, the, the final ladder was goals for zero, goals against 49. I'll yeah. let you do the math. But they the did difference. improve. Look, Hong Kong beat them 11-0 in the opening game of the tournament. When they played each other again later on, they only beat them 5-0. Uh, and the, the other results were similar. They they played much better the second time around against these teams. So obviously they improved and hopefully they got a lot of out of playing in the tournament. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. It's all about getting that competition, isn't it? That's the, uh, that's the Who main thing. Who did finish top there? Uh, Chinese Taipei. Quite, so yeah, that, quite that now means that they move up, does it? To, um, are they going to get a shot now at playing at the next tier? I don't think they'll necessarily go straight up into it, but they'll be... Qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. They'll yeah, play yeah, in the qualifiers. Yeah. Okay. We also uh, had the... So just underway are the CAC games coming from Managua in Nicaragua. That's a Hockey Fives tournament that's taking place there. Uh, both the men's and the women's competitions taking place side by side. And the men's side, we've got Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua and Panama. And in the women's side of the competition, we have Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua and Panama. You like saying that, don't you? Panama. <laughs> well done to those nations. Good luck to you all. What else has been happening in the news of hockey? Uh, we've had the International Festival of Olive Oil coming from oh, Spain, which, which was great that um, we managed to share some information of a couple of the, the Spanish games that were being shown, the game against Belgium and the game, game against Ireland a couple of days beforehand. That was yeah. over the weekend. Some close games there as well. A little three-team tournament, Belgium, Ireland, Spain, as you mentioned. Um, and honours fairly evenly shared. The Irish girls didn't win a game, but they weren't far behind. There was only a goal or two in it on most occasions, and um, would have been good experience for the Irish girls too, both Spain and Belgium. That's it. Well, fairly they, good women's teams. Well, they, they all sides got to run out uh, twice against each other there, and that's obviously uh, looking at the programme building up to the World Cup later in the year. Yeah, and uh, be a lot more international hockey going on, as we mentioned, as these teams build up to that World Cup for both the men and the women. We had a bit of a milestone at the Hockey World League finals during the week as well. Uh, what was that one? Oh, Barry Middleton? Barry, yes, yeah. Barry Middleton. 400 games. Yeah, fantastic achievement. I was going to save it to the end within the socials, but there was a, a bit of debate going on between uh, uh, Russell Butt from the Galvanised Hockey Show and uh, former player James Havlin. Sorry, he may, may well still be playing. My, my apologies, but former elite player. And uh, the debate was raging about... Does this make Barry Middleton the the best England has ever seen? And uh, James's view no. that John Potter was probably the greatest that's ever been seen. I had to jump in and say, "Come on, what about Ian Taylor?" Um, so it was a uh, good fun being part of the, Inter- the banter there. Interesting question and point though, and I, I think it's an amazing achievement, and he should be very proud of it and all the rest. But it it, it stands as alone as its own achievement. Greatest number of games doesn't make you the greatest player. There's a lot more that goes into being the greatest player than the number of games that you play. And, and no, hang on, hear me out, because there would have been great England players who might have had careers just as long as Barry Middleton's in previous eras, but were never ever going to play 400. Yeah, and this, games. that's one of the points. So, that, the points that James but made. We, that, that, that doesn't mean we take away from Barry that achievement, though. No, absolutely. But all that sort of well, that, you know. that sort of stuff is subjective when you look at greatest, isn't it? And, uh, and that, yeah, there's lots of things that come into play with that. But no, fantastic um, achievement there, and uh, well deserving of the plaudits that Barry has received. And that was in the yep. in the Australia game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Which was a one-all draw. So, and there was a photo of him carrying the two, drinks two. too. Two two, sorry, yeah. 
He was carrying the drinks too at one stage, wasn't he? Yes. Had him on that photo on Twitter. <laughs> um, more news. What else have we got? Oh, I've got a couple of things for you. WADA's just uh, released their new list of prohibited drugs from January 2018. A new list will exist. So even if you're not an elite player, folks, if you are a hockey player, you are signed up to the WADA code. So bear that in mind. It it might be something that could bite you on the bottom, potentially. Yeah, be ready for that 6am wake-up call with somebody uh, flashing a little plastic bottle yeah, in your face. It's not, not that it's likely to happen if you're not an elite-level player. But one thing that was of note, alcohol has been removed from the banned substances list and is now the responsibility of individual sports and federations. I can hear a, a big hurrah coming from the uh, proper hockey players, uh, the Canuck Fifth Eleven in the UK. I'm not saying they like a drink. Yeah, but... But I'm saying they like a drink. And uh, for the for the guys who play in my Masters team, um, some good news. I still haven't found it. Still doesn't appear as though Viagra has been banned either. <laughs> so you guys should be sweet. Oh, what else have we got? Okay, what else we've got? The Pan American Elite teams for 2017 have been announced. And the men's side, we've got uh, Canadian Scott Tupper, um, Argentinian Lucas Villa, and Trinidad and Tobago's Quan Brown all making the squad for the fifth time. Wow. Um, we've also a lot of... A, I won't go through the whole list on the players. On the women's side, we've um, we've got a young Chilean, uh, Denise Krimmermans in there, um, Kathleen Sharkey, Melissa Gonzalez from the States, uh, Florencia Habith from Argentina and Daphina Marino. Um, so there's, you can get on and have a look at the panamhockey.org website and look at the news there and you'll find out all the, the, the players that have been selected both for the outdoor side and there's also the, um, the Pan Am Elite 2017 indoor side up on there as well. That's panamhockey.org. Uh, while we're in that part of the world, I saw the National Field Hockey Coaches Association in the US have announced their All-American teams over the past uh, day or so. And they've got 48 student athletes in various divisions through that have been selected uh, to become All-Americans. So well done to all the ladies selected there after obviously some really good seasons of hockey. And of course we've had the second week of the PHL in South Africa. And what better time to bring Tyron back to uh, fill us in on what happened over last weekend's action. Good day everybody. This is Tyron Jabu Barnard from South Africa from Sports 24-7. Reporting back on the second weekend of the South African Premier Hockey League for the reverse stick. There is only really one place we can start and it's where the weekend ended. The Golden Gate Gladiators, the South African under-21 men's side, they played off against the Garden Root Gazelles, a team loaded with attacking talent. And that attacking talent seemed to fire on the day, netting three early goals to look towards a comfortable victory. However, Gareth Ewing, the coach's men, uh, were, were inspired and produced a 35-minute spell of hockey that was simply breathless. Their penalty corners were devastating, and from 3-0 down, they turned the game around to win 6-3, not just get the win, but get the bonus point for winning by three. Really special weekend for them, and it probably means they will be in the final four, having looked at the brink of elimination uh, just at half-time. Of course, their counterparts in the ladies' games, the Namakwaland Daisies, also sponsored by Old Mutual Hours, uh, had an interesting weekend themselves. They lost their opening game against the uh, Lakers, but fought back in a fantastic game against the Wineland Wings. The Wings themselves uh, having a bit of a tough weekend. In that Daisies game, there was a special final quarter as 
The Daisies took the lead through Shawnee Maddox before a goal was quickly pulled back by Wyndham Wings and with just 10 seconds on the clock, Stephanie Boyter fired home a penalty corner to secure the Daisies a win and also an opportunity to stay in the tournament. In the women's tournament, it is the Blyde River Bunters, though, that are setting the, the pace. The defending champions were absolutely fantastic again. They've now played 4-1-4 and they were inspired by Celia Evans, who plays for both South African indoor and outdoor sides, who missed out on last year's tournament and is trying to make up for it uh, and doing so rather well. The Mapumbungwe Mambas, uh, don't try and say that too fast, are probably the surprise package of the men's tournament. Their three games so far, I've seen them win all three, and this weekend another great win, 1-0, hard-fought, unheard of score in many hockey matches these days, um, but inspired by Greg Last, who is not always the first name on a team sheet, but he's definitely one of the loudest names that you should be hearing after this tournament. He's having a fantastic one. In the men's tournament, it's pretty simple going right now. The Mumbers are set and through to the final four. The Murrapin Cavemen got another victory, uh, another fine performance, keeping a clean sheet against the Drakensberg Dragons, who are many people's favourites, and getting a bonus point in the process. The Dragons in third, the Gladiators in fourth, and it's nervous uh, nervous times for the Addo Elephants and Garden Root Gazelles, who have really not been convincing so far in the tournament. In the ladies' tournament, it's the Blood River Bunters who are running away with it. They are looking really fantastic, and, and rightfully so. It's uh, a team well led by Lindsay Wright, an Olympian herself, and it's a team who you're really going to have to produce the goods in order to beat them. The other teams that are in the running are the St. Lucia Lakers, the Daisies, both on seven points. And then last year's uh, runners-up, the Medicway Rangers, the Orange River Rafters, who got a victory against all odds to keep their tournament alive, and the Wyandland Wings, who are yet to taste anything but defeat. Once again, follow me this weekend at Tyrant Barnard on Twitter. You can also follow the PHL's various websites, uh, social media accounts, and uh, they'll keep you up to date. And of course, check out our website where we'll be doing a recap and also a team of the tournament after the final next week. That's all things Jabu, J A B U dot C O dot Z A, or sports 24 7, the number 24, the word 7 dot C O dot Z A. For the reverse stick, this is Tyrant Jabu Barnard at the Hockey Revolution. You are listening to the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast, and thanks so much to Tyron Bonard joining us there from South Africa, letting us know what's going on in the PHL, and we look forward to catching up again next week with Tyron to find out how, well, yeah, just past, past uh, it's, I think Monday and Tuesdays are the finals, they've got yeah. games on the weekend, then Monday, Tuesday finals, uh, so I'm really looking forward to what what uh, what happens there. Go the Daisies, good result in their second game there at the uh, on the weekend just gone. You can find out uh, about all things Jabu. From Tyron there, you can go to sports247.co.za or allthingsjabu, J-A-B-U, .co.za and get all of the info. Um, I guess, John, one thing we missed out on the news and the announcement this week came out for the uh, the nominations for the Hockey Stars Awards from the FIH. You had a chance to have a look at that? I did. I, I was prompted to have a look at that uh, through the Twitter sphere stuff. And, um, yes, I've, I've had a vote. 
You've gone on and had a vote? I've, I've gone on and had a vote, yes. And, and that was a fairly easy process? Um, relatively. Yes, it was. Okay. It was easy. I, I'm only asking because I, have, I haven't yet. So. I, I sometimes struggled with these sorts of things, but when I found, figured out how to do it, it was easy, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's an interesting... People who are life. used to these worlds will sail through it no problems at all. Good stuff. So I guess we'll just take you through the nominations there on the, the women's side of things. We've got Alex Danson, Melissa Gonzalez, uh, sorry, Alex uh, from England and GB, Melissa Gonzalez from the States, Stacey Mickelson from NZ, Daphina Marino from Argentina, and Lydia Walton from the Netherlands, and that's for the Player of the Year, the Senior Player of the Year. On the men's side, Billy Backer from Netherlands, Mats Grambusch from Germany, Gonzalo Payet of Argentina, Mirko Preusser of Netherlands, and Arthur Van Doren from Belgium. On to the Rising Star Awards for the women, it's Maria Granato from Argentina, she had a cracking um, tournament in Auckland, I thought. Uh, Nike Lorenz of Germany, Frederike Mattler of the Netherlands, Laura Nunink of the Netherlands, and Zander Ward of the Netherlands. And on the men's side, Thierry Brinkman of the Netherlands, Jurik Kroon of the Netherlands, Tim Hersbrook of Germany, Arthur Van Doren, and Victor Wegnes, both of Belgium. Goalkeepers of the Year, might as well give you those as well. Uh, nominations there, Jackie Briggs from the States, uh, Aisling de Hoog of Belgium, Maddie Hinch, Lee Dong Zhao from China, and Vinen Dahl from the Netherlands. And on the men's side, Kiko Cortes of Spain, David Hart of Ireland, George Pinner, England of GB, Vincent Van Asch of Belgium, and Juan Vivaldi of Argentina. So you can get voting on that. Vivaldi had a pretty good game last night, just quietly. Yeah, um, I've, I've really, so enjoyed, Cortes re- re- well. really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, it's been good. So you, yeah, you can get on and vote on the um, the FIH website. Uh, the league, the link for that for is go, just go to fih.ch forward slash global hyphen stars forward slash hockey hyphen stars. Maybe just search FIH on um, on Twitter and click on the and click pretty on the link. picture on the for home page. That'll get you there. FIH.ch. You know it. where it is. So, any thoughts on those? I just, you know, there's a, um, a glaring omission of um, any Australian players on oh, either yeah. the men's or the women's, or Indian players on the men's or the women's. I'm not sure that's not the, on, the only countries, but those are the two just automatically spring to mind there. Uh, having the best players doesn't make you the best team, so there's no dramas there. One thing I will say is, though, I'm reliably informed that David Hart is a very good goalkeeper, and we should all vote for him. I think I'm, I'm just saying. And a thoroughly decent bloke as well. This is the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and it's time now for our feature interview. And this week, we're slowing things down a little bit. We're going to be doing a, taking a little walk with Alan Gormley from Walking Hockey. Yes, we will be talking Walking Hockey, and uh, we had a great chat with Alan. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, this is a really worthwhile project. We talk about ourselves, about being a game for life. Then formats like this are very, very important about uh, to keeping people involved in the game, keeping people in our clubs, uh, people of all ages as part of the hockey family. Um, and just because... Things might not be working quite as well as they used to. It doesn't mean that you have to leave the game or um, or not still be involved. So great stuff. And uh, yeah, here we go. Alan Gormley, walking hockey. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's a bit so it's a bit cold there at the moment, is it? It's awful. It's still freezing as I sit looking out onto a frosty garden. Could be worse, mate. You could be in Brisbane. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, this time two years ago, I was. Oh, really? Yeah, and we're also there um, in June this year. Well, that's wonderful. What that's took up. you there? 
first one, uh, my nephew was getting married out there. And then in June it was to, um, to launch Walking Cocky. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I, will say, I wasn't sure if you'd done anything in Australia or not, but I had seen that quite a lot of your um, images that you put up with regard to walking hockey and um, different bits and pieces had Ben Hartung copied in on them. And uh, so there was, I saw there was some kind of Hockey Australia link, but didn't, didn't quite know uh, what it was. Yeah, we came out, um, we went out to Dubai first of all to talk to Dubai Hockey Club about it. Then we flew on to Auckland and spent a few days with Hockey New Zealand. Um, then we went up to Brisbane and up to Cairns and then finished off with Ben and his team down in Melbourne at, at HQ. Fantastic. So I guess I'll back announce and say welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the show, Alan, and, and uh, let's talk walking hockey because we, we, we've got straight into the conversation there. What, what's walking hockey? Walking Hockey is a game that uh, we've created for people who can no longer play, uh, for people who've never played, for people who are coming back from injury, pretty much everyone actually, and it's um, four or five a side on a small pitch, uh, we've made up some rules which are similar to Hockey Sixes to keep it consistent with all the, F of the other FIH offerings. And uh, it's just gone crazy. So where where does the idea come from, or where does the necessity come from to to think of this? Uh, what we uh, about eight years ago, I, I made up a scheme called Back to Hockey to try and get people back into the sport, which was pretty successful. And England Hockey adopted it. Um, and at one of our Back to Hockey sessions, we had a, a 55 year old lady. Um, former cancer victim who was um, just saying I'm going to have to give up playing it's too much for me uh, and then the next day she sent me an email saying have you thought of walking hockey well no <laughs> <laughs> um, spent the next three months researching it and couldn't find a lot about it anywhere and thought well let's go for it uh, we set up a marketing team marketed it extensively locally and we just launched it and first session we had over 40 people there uh, we've now got 60 members we've seen over 80 different people um, and people just seem to absolutely love it now this is at Bromsgrove Hockey Club yeah Bromsgrove Hockey Club in Worcestershire in England uh, where we, we've got uh, we've been housed by the fact we've just got a 15 month old AstroTurf pitch of our own and that's opened up all sorts of avenues for us. Fantastic. And so, if I remember rightly, Bromsgrove School used to have an Astro? That's right, yeah, they've got a couple. Um, but they're very, uh, well, they're pretty much a hockey school, hockey yeah. and rugby, and they tend to use their pitches all the time. Uh, we get time on that, so we spent a lot of time working with England Hockey to raise a lot of money. <laughs> um, and we're fortunate, you know, to get our own pitch down. Fantastic. And we're going through something similar down here with our club in, in um, Perth in WA and uh, we're, we're getting closer and closer by the day but yeah we certainly appreciate the effort that goes into it and obviously the amount of money that goes into it as well so Walker first off you took me by surprise to be honest because you mentioned back to hockey and it's something I know but I didn't honestly know that it was something you were directly related with it's something that 
I'll talk about my club again because this is obviously it's, it's what affects us is that we're going to start a similar pro- program for, for next season and try and target it at some of the junior parents that have got their kids down that might have played in the past and try and run it at a similar sort of time we've got a few restrictions for turf access that we don't have so we'll be doing it on the grass um, mm-hmm. and, and the inspiration has come from, from back to hockey at I, all I can do is say, "Well done." I guess you know it's uh, it's obviously a scheme that's worked really well. Yeah, it has. Uh, Jeff, just if you use our club as an example, we were struggling to get four men's teams out and struggling to get two and a half ladies teams out. Yeah. And we've now got five men's teams, five ladies teams, and our junior sections grown from thirty to over two hundred. Wow. And it's all come from different initiatives like back to hockey and, and walking hockey's obviously added on to that now. And it, is that mainly, do you find those additions being from very local people? We do, yes. Certainly with back to hockey, um, we're quite close to Birmingham here. Yeah. And a lot of people come and go from a business point of view so there's, const- there's like a constant refresh of people who used to play hockey Yeah. so if you keep the programme on the boil you know you keep pulling people in all the time um, but walking hockey's um, had quite a wide geography- geographic dispersal for us not wide by Australian standards but we're talking <laughs> like people coming 30 or 40 miles to play fantastic and um, uh- Obviously, part of the um, part of this is making hockey accessible to people, not only people who uh, maybe physically can't get out there and, and play hockey, as most would, would know, sat in the afternoons, eleven aside, sort of thing, but as you mentioned, the people who are, are new to the game, and and I'm wondering, do you do you find that the people who are say find themselves physically limited and don't think they can play after playing a bit of walking hockey? discover that they can go back and play other hockey as well? We're starting to, yes. Um, more so actually from, from back to hockey. The way we run it, we run walking hockey and then immediately afterwards we do our back to hockey session oh, so okay. people can see what the next step is for them. Um, and you know that obviously helps enormously. I think one of the, one of the big appeals actually is that we're starting to get single parents and parents of teenage children who can't get childcare, and they said, "Well, we'd love to come, but we can't." So we said, "Well, bring the kids." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, but that's the, that's the hockey family, isn't it, Alan? You know, that's uh, you yeah. Know, it's, it, I mean, certainly we experience that at our club. Is that the kids run wild and they've got a big, expansive field in front of the club rooms and, and people looking after them and, and watching it, out. But for everybody them. looks out out for each other. Yeah. It is. It's a, it's a real family thing. And I think the point you hit on in terms of turf time, we're pretty much saturated at the weekend now. I'm going to say we've got our own pitch now, but we're actually having to hire, because we're growing so rapidly, another pitch as well to use. But because we're doing things like back to hockey and walking hockey and hockey sixes, we can utilise the pitch and give people who perhaps can't play the weekend the opportunity to play in the week yeah. as well. Yeah, there's all sorts of all yeah. sorts of different situations for people, isn't it? And then something we've toyed with in the in the past is, 
um, having a crash for a, um, for mother's hockey or father's hockey, you know, whoever's it could be mixed hockey, um, on a Wednesday morning at 9:30 a.m. that fits in between sleep time and you know all that sort of thing, and it, and, and yeah. that's something we can do with hockey. We can do that. Yeah, we're we're, we're thinking along similar lines, and we've got um, a few few sort of building developments to do before we can actually look at doing toddlers. But once we do. We'll be doing that. We're also starting to look now that um, we want to start to get disabled people involved with walking hockey as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, we, we, we do yeah, to speak yeah. to, uh, to Adam Thomas from Access Sport over the next few weeks. We we did have an interview, but unfortunately the equipment failed and we didn't actually capture it. So, but Adam's going to be back on talking about the Flyers program and uh, yeah. and para hockey in Europe and all that sort of thing. So we're really excited to to, to hear of the developments there and obviously here of the challenges to get funding for it as well. Indeed it is. And in fact, at our awards ceremony on Thursday night, Kate Richardson-Walsh was the guest of honour, uh-huh. and she spoke about access, access sport, and we've since been in touch uh, through Twitter, and she's given me contact details to speak to access sport, so you know, we've actually fired an email off to them last night to get things started. Fantastic. Alan, uh, just to look more closely at the game that you're you're playing, at what point does walking hockey become running hockey? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, in terms of, you mean the people actually taking off and running during the game? Well, yeah, I, I imagine that there'd be some people that, um, you know, the competitive spirit and uh, all those sorts of things occasionally might get a bit too much for them. Are you trying to infer that hockey is a competitive game? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what, what we found, um, pretty soon found, that we've got two groups of uh, people, sort of two audiences. The one audience are ex-players who are really, really competitive. And the so. other audience are people who are there for fun, a bit of a social time, ch- you know, chat and make new friends. And that's not to say the competitive people have made new friends, but the competitive group we umpire. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. But the fun group we don't. <laughs> they self-umpire. Yeah. Um, and we've that's actually led to some quite significant amendments to the way we play the game as well, so that people are restricted to walk. So the rule is you've got to have one one heel on the ground at all times which without videos is a bit tricky at times but people, <laughs> tend to let, people tend to let you know if you're going too quickly oh but you know if, the, if it's just a yard away and it's just about <laughs> to go out the sideline jeez you've got to have that second step to make a lunge for it haven't you you have but the thing is the surprising thing really is it, it's up the level of skill because your passes have to be absolutely oh, wow yeah on. yeah and also you, your utilisation of space, because you have to make the space to receive the pass. Oh, it sounds silly, because obviously in a normal game you can compensate for bad pass on occasions, yeah. but in walking you can't. And, and it shows great foresight, because you've got to make your decision early if you're going to lead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, do yeah, it, 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 it's, it's great fun. It's almost chess-like. Yeah. Do, yeah, do I we... thought of it like that. <laughs> But yes. Do you get any sort yeah. of Olympic walking action happening? 
<laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, we get some people whose butts start wobbling quite, <laughs> quite crazily, but um, yeah, they do, and then, you know, that's fine, as long as they're still walking, and it's more, obviously more so in the competitive group. Um, but yeah, it, 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 they, different speeds, isn't it? Competitive guys, they want to walk a bit faster, the fun guys, they're there, just have a bit of a laugh and a joke. And they come together afterwards and we sort of go up to the clubhouse for socials and things like that. I was just going to say, it sounds like uh, a great time for anybody involved, regardless of what level they seem to find themselves at. It is, but, you know, we can offer something for absolutely everybody now. Um, you know, my, my, I've got a project that I'm working on called Project Lifetime, which is like cradle to grave hockey. Yeah, well, that's it. That, yeah, that's hockey, hockey, hockey for life. That's the thing, isn't it? Hockey for life, and, and, we, yeah. and, we, and we have it. But it's just, it's those. I think it's great that you're trying to provide that genuine accessibility that that that, that works beyond the the borders of the knees have given up or you know whatever else it might be that uh, you've got decrepit with. Yeah, that's right. I was talking to um, some of the Masters players while we were out in Australia as well, and they were saying, "Oh, this is great for us because." You know, there comes a point where masters even you know becomes too much, and in the past we've just sort of hung up our stick and headed for the bar, but now we don't need to. Yeah, and but there's uh, certainly in the masters hockey, the guys that can, the majority that are continuing to play in 50s, 60s, 70s, 75s hockey over here, a lot of them were very bloody good players in the first place, and um, yeah, and, and were very oh, very fit. They invited me to join in while I was there. I took one look and said, oh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my great hockey program was to be a, a rubbish player as a kid, and then by the time I got to 50, I thought all of those really good players would have dropped away, and I'd be able to just walk into a state team. <laughs> but that's not to be. These guys are all really good. <laughs> But look, I think as long as you're still playing the game, so I'm, I'm personally and very passionate about. I was brought into the game as a, a six-year-old, and I want to play until the last day that I can, that I can breathe and walk. And, uh, and, yeah. and I think that's one of the wonders of our game. And it just it takes me back. I made reference in our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, no, in fact, it wasn't. It was on somebody else's podcast <laughs> talking about. Probably the pinnacle of my career was an under-16s Worcestershire County uh, schoolboy badge as a goalkeeper. But I remember playing against an old boy, Alf, at um, Old Sills Hockey Club, and I think he was 85 yeah. when we played against him. Um, and he whacked you. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was pretty easy to get around, but I'll tell you what, if you got within a metre of him, he'd na- snaffle, the, snaffle the ball off you. Um, I played against Pip Cyril, who was playing for Alton in the fives. I think I was 15 years old, and he would have been 52, 54 or something. He st- stuck yeah. five goals past me. Um, so the, the heritage, the history has always been there within clubs. Certainly like in the UK, as a 16-year-old, you might be playing with a 60-year-old. Um, certainly in you know the smaller town clubs around and about. And I think it's good to be able to extend people's hockey careers and keep them involved within their clubs and, and contributing to their clubs. Because it's important that we've got everybody from the kids to, to the oldies being part of our club. It's, 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 it's a family, isn't it? It is, and, and it means the club lives because you keep re- recycling, yeah. regenerating interest right the way through. And so what, if we use the club now, we've got sort of grandparents, 
playing walking hockey, parents playing hockey, children playing juniors, grandchildren on the way up from the bottom to refill that uh, refill that cycle. Yeah, it's 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 really important. It's just you mentioned before about an award. Um, we haven't got got the uh, the trumpet sound effect handy. Have we? Maybe <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> tell us about the award. Yeah, well, we've been fortunate. We've, we've actually now got that was our second award. We, the first one we were honoured to receive was in late May from England Hockey, um, which was the Innovation of the Year. Um, <laughs> a glitzy awards ceremony with some of the Olympic players there as well so Holly Webb actually presented it to us which was a bit of a buzz for us lovely and then this week we won the uh, the Harrison Worcestershire Sports Community Award excellent um, which which in its own way is, is, is as rewarding for us because that's across all sports um, and so when I let you know let the team know, they were like, "Wow, that's great!" And because what we try to do, um, yeah, I lead this thing, but everything we've done has been by consensus. Yeah. So people actually, you know, it's theirs, and you know that they invested themselves in it. And through winning the award on when was it thirty? We've now been. Uh, Shortlisted for the BBC West Midlands Awards. Beautiful, wicked. So uh, you know, it's, it's going. Yeah, and hey, we're not here for the awards, but hey, we're not going to turn them down when they come. No, well, you get to go to a nice dinner, don't you? We do, and I think we get lots of positive PR, which means it spreads the message out. Well, this is it. It's not just. It's it's good across all levels, and what what I love about your attitude with it, Alan, and, and it's something that we try to replicate in our club is that you've got to do it right in your local community first. And so, if you've got a great idea, have a go and test it within your group, the people you know, and in the surrounding areas, and your hockey people. And if it works, then great, share it. And that's what I really love about it is that you, you've tried it out and you've got it working at a, at a local level, and, and perhaps you need some help from the authorities to make it bigger but it's it's great that they're taking it on and listening and it's all good stuff it's all you know it's all good news stuff and put smiles on the face of hockey lovers yeah I'm I'm, I'm currently working with England Hockey to put a how to guide together which they're going to they're going to do a big launch walking hockey in 2018 um, so that'll be great we've already got over 20 clubs playing in the UK now and how are your thoughts um, about about sharing that and just bombarding every club in the world and getting Pablo a hockey world to translate some to go to the Spanish speaking countries and you know get, get, getting it out there and just going right guys look this is what we've done this is what's working for us do what you want with it. From my point of view, the more people we can get playing, the more benefits they get and see like the people we've had playing. You know, that's it to me. My my whole pro well our whole project was if you know, like paid for that's not quite the right word but one of the ladies we've got um, she's mid-60s she's got cancer she's got a terminal prognosis she's just in remission at the moment and she was just sat at home yeah and she saw it she used to play she came along and you know it's transformed her and yeah. it's sort of given her some hope and some things to look forward to and for me um I could have stopped then, you know, job done. Yeah. 
I just, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic, Alan. So John, John's just looking at me, going, "Well, your turn to ask a question." Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, I love it. You know, we're we're, we're club people, and 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 um, I think everything that I've heard that you've got involved with and you've promoted is is come from a a, a sense of club and hockey and the hockey family and everything that fits in into all of that. And it's um, it's admirable, and I'm, ple- I'm really pleased that there's there's some recognition coming your way with it. I'm actually even more pleased though that there's some uptake on on what you're doing, and it's it's being spread, and the um, the concepts uh, are being taken on board, and, and, and clubs and people in hockey are getting behind it. It's fantastic. Great, yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you very much. So um, there, thanks, for, I, I, thanks for the chance to tell people about it. Uh, so where can where can people find out more about it, Alan? Where's where's the website, Twitter, whatever else to to head to? Yeah, the, the, probably the best the best place to start is our website, which is www. Walking, walking, walking. walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. dot com. Fantastic. Well, that's nice and easy. So www.walkinghockey.com <laughs> um, and so that, yeah, they can get on there and find out what it's all about and uh, I'm sure there's a way to contact uh, you guys or someone who's running things if there's any further questions yeah indeed there is there is yeah super stuff well Alan thanks so much oh John's got one more before oh no go. I was just going to say as, as a person that's probably um, getting closer and closer to walking hockey it's great to see that there's actually something there for me once my legs give out and the work you guys are doing is absolutely fantastic thank you John thank you and perhaps um, perhaps your your club and I ought, you know when our club ought to get in touch with each other and share ideas oh definitely there's a few of my former teammates you could probably do with a bit of walking hockey just <laughs> and current yeah well, current ones yeah because yeah, you sound like a, like a progressive club yourselves and we certainly look like to think of ourselves that way and uh, we're happy to share and exchange oh, ideas well, yeah lovely great stuff well you're the vice president right. so you've got to get on to it <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to call it a wrap there Alan thanks so much for joining us and we'll speak soon yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. And that was Alan Gormley from Walking Hockey here on the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And he was a fantastic fellow to talk to, Matt. Um, as usual with most of our guests, once we conduct the interview, we have a little chat with them on the, on the line afterwards. And like Alan, a lot of them... That chat is longer than the interview we do. <laughs> it is. Well, that often gives us an opportunity to say, ask a few questions around and about outside of the hockey, and then that tends to lead us back into hockey again. We got on having the chat with Alan about uh, what he does with regard to coaching and uh, things outside of purely the walking hockey program. And he mentioned a club that I know um, in the Midlands that he also does some work at. And I said, oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. Um, so it's uh, it's a very small hockey world, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a great program they've got running as well. Yeah, and we look, get onto, the, get onto walkinghockey.com and uh, have a look and see if you can get it implemented at a local level wherever you are. What does the committee say, mate? Uh, yeah, look, we're back to hockey is happening um, start of this season, Excellent. and walking hockey is something we're going to look to try and get implemented through the season or, or build, build towards it. But yeah, early, early days from our chat last week with him. Excellent. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and it's time now to uh, get to our Indian correspondent with all the latest from the Hockey World League in. 
bad as well. In BBI. I'm not even going to try and challenge it and have a go at it anymore, oh, John. It's uh, a I've actually enjoyed some of the um, uh, pronunciation happening out of the commentary team at the Hockey World League thus far. Um, I do find it quite amusing when the same commentator can call the same player by two different names <laughs> on repeated occasions during the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's great to catch up with Jazz again here on the ground um, at the Hockey World League finals. How are you, Jazz? Thank you so much, guys. Good to be back. Hey Jazz, how are you enjoying enjoying the tournament so far? It's it's great um, in terms of the tournament, but in terms of an Indian fan, it's not so good so far. Now, Jazz, what is going on with India? Because they don't, to me, look like the same team they were at the Asian Cup final. Um, I don't think it will be fair enough to compare them with the Asia Cup because the competition level is far, far different from what it was in Dhaka and what it is in Bhubaneswar. Um, <coughs> to start things off, India played really well against Australia. I think they were unlucky to not win because of those two misses Gurjant uh, made in the first couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, but, after, but since then, uh, I think it has been a downhill. Um, even though uh, they would say that they fought back uh, against England and made it 2-2 only to lose it in the last in, uh, to Sam Ward's goal. But uh, I think uh, uh, India's strategy was... Uh, worked out or exposed uh, totally by the Germans who, uh, who, who, who made superb man-to-man marking, cut down spaces in the midfield and India who, who were overly reliant on counter-attacks were clearly found out that they had no uh, alternative tactic which, which to me was a bit uh, surprising because uh, midway through the match uh, against England it was very evident what England was trying to do um, but uh, Unfortunately, sure, or uh, I, I may not have spotted it, but it was not evident to anybody here that there was any tactical change in the Indian play. So, it, Germans clearly uh, held on to their 2 0 lead, sat back in defense, marked the Indian out, marked the Indians out, and won at 2 0. Which it was the scoreline may not suggest that it was an overwhelming defeat, but it actually was because India was nowhere in the game. Those who watched the entire 60 minutes and short Marine. Um, <clears throat> After the match, he said that um, that they will improve, but I don't think that's a comment that you can make every time after you give a bad impo- a performance because in, in that case, you're not improving. Uh, but co- experts here have also said that that this team is doing well. It is doing what it, what it does the best, which is uh, speedy counter-attacks. But my, count- my counter to that is that if a team is not able to perform or score, even if you match the opponents in terms of circle penetrations, uh, penalty corners earned and all that stuff, even if you match that in, them in those numbers, they are scoring, you are not scoring. That's where the difference lies and that's where India has been found out. They have to score against Belgium. Yeah, Jazz, look, I, w- watching the game against the Germans, it, it appeared as though... Uh, the Indians are a little bit naive in defence. Would that be fair? Um, naive, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, I I can clearly say that Rupinder, who has returned as the leader of the defence, is very rusty. He's yet to hit his traps, uh, even after uh, three games in the tournament. I hope he has found his rhythm uh, and going into the quarterfinals. But yeah, he's very rusty. 
Harmanpreet is very unconvincing. Unfortunately, I don't know why because he was doing really well coming into the tournament. And uh, the other guys, Amit Rohidas, Dipsan, Tirki, they are only used as uh, uh, spare tires. So, which is not fair to them because uh, they they are very capable guys and they are playing in front of their uh, home crowd yeah. like Amit Rohidas as well. And uh, Varun also has been underutilized in terms of penalty corners. I don't know what happened to the statement that Marinia made at the start of the tournament that he is going there with five rack flickers, has options up his sleeve. But then Dipson, Amit and Varun have hardly been uh, tried. It's all been either Rupinder or uh, Harman Preet, which to me is also surprising. Yeah, I've got uh, Varun in my uh, dream team and I'm not happy they're not giving him any of the ball. Yeah. yeah. So just m- moving on from India to your, your other, <coughs> other side, what do you think is happening with the Dutch at the moment and what's your take on uh, their performances in the opening three games? See, uh, before starting the tournament, they were my gold medalist. They still are because the tournament begins today. But uh, I think they they uh, are suffering because of the lack of uh, practice matches or not practice matches, but lack of international matches uh, after the Europe after they won the European Championships. They haven't had anything uh, almost uh, to write home about. So uh, I think that has uh, gone against them and it is clearly evident in their game. Plus, uh, the injury to Mink van der Weyden, it has hurt them badly on penalty corners. They aren't scoring as Mink generally does. So I think those two things have uh, hurt them. And looking out around the rest of the tournament, the Belgians are playing very (coughs) well too. The Belgians are playing like the gold medalist, could be gold medalists. Uh, I hope they are out of the tournament today. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, Speaking of today, let's let's have a look at the the quarterfinals as as we have now. By the time this podcast goes to air, these games will be played, so it, uh, we'll find out how good we are as tipsters. Um, what do you make? I, I hope you you put it up maybe before the quarterfinals. Yeah. There's still time. We might get this little bit up, Jazz. Um, We've got Australia taking on Spain in the first quarter final and India taking on Belgium. Now, I, I honestly don't like India's chances against Belgium, but Australia-Spain, that could be a quite an intriguing game. I think it's going to be a cracker of a game the way of the Spaniards have surprised the Argentines and the Dutch in the pool stage. They have beaten the Olympic champions, they have beaten the European champions. And uh, there's and there's every reason to believe that they can believe that beat the Oceania champions as well because uh, Australia are not playing as good as they should uh, because they have not they too haven't won anything yet they have not lost also but uh, victory is something that gives you a different kind of confidence so confidence so that's so they have just won uh, they have just drawn three of their games and. Uh, that's not something that you associate with Australia because Australia is uh, synonymous with winning as, and considering they are the uh, world champions as well. So Spaniards have a, very, have a very good chance and they are playing really well. They are confident that's, that's what uh, evens out the scales because Australia don't look as confident on the field. Well, so Kemada popped up with a goal yesterday. That bloke's got to be about 45 years old, I reckon. Do you think the um, the, the extra day's rest that the Australians are going to have before playing the quarterfinals is going to have much of a bearing on the contest? Um, 
I don't think it it's going to have a, that of a, um, much of a bearing because the teams have played um, three days on the trot or two days in the trot, and teams are already in rhythm in the tournament. They have played either two days on the trot or three days on the trot. So having a day's break, I don't think it's going to have much of a bearing because. recovery period is also something that the teams uh, seriously look at these days the physios and all they 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 focus a lot on recovery period as well so i don't think that's going to have a bearing if anything it's only going to help australia and then i guess we move on to tomorrow's games and the first one of the day is england versus argentina yeah um, again uh, i think it's 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 a games uh, on the on the same lines as australia versus spain because england uh, are playing well uh, argentina aren't uh, but then again um, as i was uh, as i was talking to bowlender the other day who was who came here visiting for a day he says that big big match players score in uh, big in in big match players <laughs> score in big matches yeah so 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 you can bank on pilat to uh, just turn it around for uh, argentina in the quarters And then we round it all off with uh, a classic, oh. a European classic, <coughs> Germany versus the Netherlands. So uh, the last match, uh, Germany versus Netherlands, is also going to be a cracker of a game because uh, the Netherlands again are known to up their game when it comes the crunch matches. Although they are not playing as good as they should, the Germans but begin. Uh, the match as hot favourites because uh, again they have also not lost any match. Am I right? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. They look good. They look good. I was a bit surprised yeah, with, yeah. with Germany to be yeah, honest. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. yeah, Germany again. I was talking to one of the guys uh, the other day, and he said the Germans are one team that come the Olympics, come the World Cups, or come any other big tournament like this. They are. They suddenly rise up and become the team to beat. Like in the Olympics as well, they uh, may not have won. the gold but they finished up on the podium as the uh, bronze medalist so uh, and on form as well currently germany are the team uh, that's going to be uh, tough to beat for uh, the netherlands as, uh, and i i hope mink returns that might change the percentage from 60 40 to maybe 55 45 do we know what's been his issue jazz is it sickness or is he carrying <laughs> it's an it's an ankle injury which they didn't want to risk uh, during the pool stage uh, i'm not sure whether what's what's the state with him as of now but um, if they didn't play him in the pools in the pool stage then i'm sure uh, he must have gone through a good period of rehab and should be ready for the for this game and then they will take it in the semis if they reach there now just before we do leave it jazz the um the format This idea of playing these uh, pool games or seeding games and then going to the quarterfinals—do you think it works? Um, again, uh, as we talked before the tournament, there are mixed reactions. I had a word with uh, some coaches and some uh, uh, some players as well, and Billy Barker made the most startling or most as uh, uh, which uh, most standout statement out of the lot. He said that. uh these matches uh the, this format makes accepting defeats very easy yeah which which to me is a statement that uh, breeds complacency yeah, yeah i agree and it, it. and it says that the 
players and the coaches at the back of their mind also know that it doesn't matter what happens during these uh pool games and they are only taking it as practice matches to get ready for the quarter finals which fih should strongly take note of and try to address it whether by introducing an extra team uh, in the tournament maybe five aside pool and where from where four progress at least one goes out but that scare has to be there in the pool stage where the teams would know that if they slip they might not play the quarters yeah yeah i agree totally there has to be something on the line for teams you know there's got to be something of they're going to miss out on if they don't there, perform there, there has to be uh, they they have to be told that if suppose they have lost the first two games they should know that a defeat in another game might uh, put them out of the tournament that's when the team some of the teams who get, have their backs to the wall they perform, they play the best and that brings the best of hockey on the pitch and fih should I'm sure there are people placed in FIH who recognise this fact and do something about it. Well, I think now we're getting jazzed to this quarterfinal and to the the pointy end of things. That's when the real hockey starts, and we're really looking forward to it. And we hope you are too. Yeah, it's going to be an atmosphere in uh, Bhubaneswar in the Kalinga Stadium, and um, I've heard the the tickets are already uh, they were they were sold out, of course. But for this match, there was a mad rush for tickets because. Some of the quarterfinals tickets were already available, but now it's already in pockets. Excellent. Looks like it's going to be a cracking tournament. Have you got a winner for us, Jazz? Can you pick one at this stage? I think Australia for the first match and India for the second. Whoa! You're, you're going the New Zealand route through the finals, aren't you, Jazz? Drop the first three, uh, lull them into a false <laughs> sense of security. <laughs> there's a there's a statistician in India. If you, I don't know if you know his name, B. G. Joshi. He's he's one of the two statistic hockey statisticians who are available in the world, who have records from day one. Uh, he says that, and he he's mostly his predictions mostly come right. And he says that India is going to win silver. Okay. Alrighty, silver it is. Well, good luck with that. Although, good luck <laughs> to everybody who's listening, who's participating. Nation uh, are there in BBI. Jazz, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll speak very soon. Yeah, sure. We'll speak very soon, and looking forward to hear the pod. Cheers, Jazz. All the best. Thank you. Bye bye. And that was Jaspreet Sani from the Hockey World League Finals here on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Do you know how I could tell he wasn't at home this week? And there was no construction noises beep, going beep, on. Beep, beep, beep. We, we should have dubbed them over for you. One thing I did notice, we, we had to edit a few coughs out of that interview, and you might have noticed a couple we couldn't get out because, of the, you know, just couldn't cut, cut them out. Um, Jazz has been in Delhi where they've had a lot of problems with smog and smoke and pollution right. in the There's last a, week. Yeah, a fair bit in the news with, with some other sports, hasn't there? There has indeed, so hopefully it's not affecting him too badly. Let's hope so, and hopefully we'll catch up with him next week after the tournament's all finished. We'll get all the dirt and gossip on uh, how it all ended up. Super stuff. Uh, I reckon Stuart Morena has been uh, listening to our podcast. Why do you think that? I, I just think the Indians might be springing a little surprise. So you think they're uh, 
Well, they didn't lose all three games in the opening pool, though. They they got a draw against Australia in their opening game. They lost the next two, didn't they? Oh, so it's not quite the same. Not model. quite the same, no. But uh, you know, it's see what happens. Maybe it's got some legs. Oh, what else is going on now in the world of hockey? I've got I've got a couple of grumbles actually. Okay, gripe um, away. So one is not necessarily hockey related, but there are some hockey in inverted commas stars um, doing this at the moment. Player on player interviews while driving a car. Oh. What what's it all about? It's the latest fact look, for everybody, though. It's not just hockey. You're, un- you're under 28. You're not that competent as a driver yet. Can you please keep your eyes on the road and stop looking to the bloke or woman sitting next to, you, to your left-hand side? Say, well, um, why, why? Why the bloody hell are people having interviews in cars? I, I don't know. Where did this start? Wasn't it the James bloke? No, James Corden it probably is, yeah, from singing in cars. Um, and then, Oh, no, Seinfeld did a series oh, did, of interviews yes. in cars. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was maybe it was Jerry Seinfeld that was the trailblazer with it. Anyway, that's one grumble by the by, really. Uh, other couple of grumbles uh, coming mainly out of Hockey uh, World League in BBI. Um, player of the match awards. Apparently, you can't win a player of the match award if you've received a card during the game. So it's then not a player of the match award. It's a fairest and best award. Um, it's just ridiculous, you know. You get a, a sloppy green card and score seven goals, and you can't even be considered to be player of the match. I think you have a point there. I think if you get a red card, that should eliminate yeah. you from the process. But um, yeah, when you, you yeah, score five goals and don't get player of the match because you got a green card for something, and you can get green cards pretty innocuously at times. Yeah, and that's that's not having a go at the rules or umpires or anything like that. You know, sometimes. You, things just happen and you get a green card you go oh well yeah, yeah you whatever. cop it you do your two minutes and that's it yeah. yeah other thing referrals now we've talked about referrals before and, and uh, when you catch uh, Keely Dunn from FH Empire's play on podcast in coming weeks you'll hear some of our views on various things around the game but on two or three occasions in watching games over the past two nights there's been a four or five minute break yes. in play yeah well, it's very hard. It's important that the, the video umpire does his job and gets every angle and makes the right decision to the, the best of their ability. But when it takes that much time out of the game and you're standing around, well, the players are standing around and you're watching them stand around, um, weren't we trying to make our game quicker? Did we not bring in the south pass to, to keep the flow of the game happening? Um, it just seems totally against the way that we we, we want to aim things in the game. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Oh, bloody hell! Get on with the game, hey. Yeah, I can't remember one. There was one in particular where I felt, gee, this is taking far too long, for exactly the reasons that you pointed out. Yeah. Um. It's one of those implementation hassles we're going to have with the system, isn't it? And and obviously that maybe they're going to have to look at a protocol that says. After a certain period of time, after two minutes, if you guys can't get it together, it's umpire's call and we're leaving it at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inconclusive, inconclusive on the video. Which yeah. is essentially what other sports do. Cricket does. Yeah. Certainly. They have the umpire's call. So maybe we've got to look at implementing something like that. Yeah. yeah. An article has appeared and it was sent to me by someone that was questioning whether the World Cup should go ahead in Bermatiswa next year because of the quality of the water. And a story from The Pioneer, which I believe is an Indian e-paper, most Odisha rivers are polluted and they get 80% of their water, drinking potable drinking water in Odisha from the rivers. 
and all the rivers are contaminated with lots and lots of horrible chemicals and bad things, and there's also lots of diseases in them. Um, Beautiful. Now, this, this is on the back of England only having 13 players, fit players the other day to, uh, to play at the tournament, and this person was just wondering whether this is something that's taken into account by the authorities when they're, when they're choosing host cities. Is it a danger to the athletes? And to the and to the competition, the quality of the water there. Now it's it's not a very nice thing to bring up because I'm sure the people who live there they have to put up with that every day, and they're the ones getting sick. Plus, they don't want their city being dissed by idiots like us sitting in a a shed in a very nice first world country. Yeah, but I look, I'd, I'd say the athletes would be having their bottled water. Um, it's yep. you know, yeah, I remember as, even as a, as a kid going on holiday to Spain, they'd say don't don't drink the local water. Buy two litre, four litre bottles instead. Yeah, so. okay. It's, it, it, but what it did bring into when I was, saw the, the new water protocols come out today, if you're drinking water that ha- is heavily industrially polluted, what chemicals are you taking into your body? <laughs> no, seriously, we've seen we've seen athletes who have been had eaten tainted meat in foreign countries, yeah. and who've taken that course case to the, the Court of Arbitration and been found that, yeah, no, actually, the meat was tainted. Yeah. And that's how you got, not all of them, so I stress, not all of them, but... Uh, weight, so loss, it, weight loss pills from your mum? Well, it, it's actually, it could be, <laughs> but it is something that an athlete in the modern era and moving forward is going to have to think about. What if there was something in the water and you've drunk it and bang, you pull up for a drug test? Well, yeah, but that's, you know, it's always been the case, isn't it, I guess? It's always been the case. There's always that chance of... Somebody slipping you a Mickey? No, no. This is more than slipping a Mickey, though. Yeah, no, I, under, I understand that. I, under, I understand where you're coming from. But yeah, my, I'd pretty much uh, put the house on the fact that they're not drink, drinking tap water they in, don't the, have in to, the hotel though. hotel rooms for the international players. Yeah, but they, it's not it's there. not necessary about drinking. No, water. it could be food. Yeah, food preparation. Yeah, all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. But having said that, I don't think we should stop a World Cup over unless the players start to kick up. So to our correspondent. That's my reply. <laughs> so you are listening to the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast, and uh, let's get on to our socials for this week, John, I guess. And, of course, you can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at the Reverse Stick. Get on there, check us out, give us a like, share it with your mates, and uh, spread the word wherever you can. Anything... Uh, oh, take- and don't forget the website, thereversestick.net, which has all of the podcasts and all of our featured interviews, including the interviews that we've edited for time that the extended interviews. So there's plenty of other stuff that you wouldn't have heard on the podcast on the extended interviews. That's right. And if you're like Hazy from last week and you've got a, a few hours to kill, then you can listen to a few of the, uh, the back catalogue of the interviews. I'd say he would have been a happy man after day one of the Hockey World League. Because that's the dream team, and he was top of the table. He was, he was up there. There's been quite a few changes, so yes, with the Atlas Hockey Dream Team competition. Yeah, uh, Hazy, just to let you know, moving into the uh, quarterfinal stage, you're 20th at the moment. He uh, might be a spot above that once you oh. take the predictions um, into consideration there as well. So I think I led our mate Jazz Protus astray. I think I may have told him that predictions didn't count towards your manager points. Well, they do, and. He hasn't predicted for any teams. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, do your predictions. <laughs> Quick. Um, yes, yeah, so we're at the, uh, the quarter, uh, quarter-final stage, or the halfway stage of the competition with the Dream Team. Uh, top of the table at the moment is Golden Foot, 
SGHC in second spot, Silver Canary Fox. There's been a bit of a tussle between the two of those managers there, coaches there on the, the top spot. Robbie McMinn comes in third. Kiwi number 27 from SGHC in at, fi- um, in at fourth. Uh, Nicholas Tomorrow in at fifth. I'm in Jicks at six. Boss F Hockey. It's a drop of three places there overnight with the results down to seventh. We've got Jonas in at eighth. Owen 0811 at ninth. And you might recognise his name, Mr. Rob Abbott, in just uh, squeaking into the tenth position at the halfway stage of the competition. Some great prizes up for grabs there from Atlas Hockey. Um, some great sticks and uh, and bags and some real great great goodies. For our top coaches, we're at the halfway stage, so good luck to everybody who's involved, and uh, who knows, your team might come with a late run. I've done a bit of uh, statistical analysis on this, actually. Matt. Go on. Uh, and I've come up with what I call the uh, player payment quotient, the PPQ. Okay, what's the PPQ? All and about, by, by applying the PPQ to uh, people's teams, I've, I've determined who is, in fact, the best performing team. Oh, well, come on, tell us, John. I think you might surprise everybody that's listening. Well, the current leader, as we have, is uh, Golden Foot SGHC, who scored 2,911 points. Well, uh, Golden... uh, plus, plus 36 on the predictions. Oh, Golden Foot has a PPQ of 33.9. Sorry, of 22.42. My team, which is languishing in. 49th place with 1,108 points has a player pay, payment quotient of 33.9. You know, Which according got, to my mathematics, puts me at the top. But you, you did name your team Lucky Last. The last picked. Oh. All of my players, I made a team out of players that hadn't been picked by anybody else. Now, there's a couple... Because I had to do it before the cutoff, there's, I think there's two players that one other person has picked as well because they picked their team after me. But I'm pretty happy with that coming out on top of the PPQ. I'll, I'll um, let you make your own judgments out there, listeners, and uh, you take it as you like. I use the same formula that Doctor Who uses to make the TARDIS work. It's perfectly legit. We'll take your word for it. All right, what else do we want to talk about on socials? Uh, what do we spot? Oman Hockey have just appoint, appointed a new head coach, Tahir Zaman, former Pakistan coach and captain. Uh, good luck in the role there. Um, our friend from The Hook in Ireland and of course uh, correspondent and uh, media man for the Euro Hockey League Stephen Findlater has uh, him and his good lady have welcomed a baby oh, into yeah. the world happy this week birthday. happy birthday yeah, happy birthday the very first one um, so yeah that's about it for this week uh, please do get in touch with us find us on our website thereversestick.net or get in touch on the socials we'll love to communicate with you please do like and subscribe and share it with your friends and enjoy the hockey that will be happening on your screens thanks for your company this week see you next time